There is a rest for the people of God. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 is trying to teach us. Listen to what the writer says. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest remains, let us fear, lest any of you be judged to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, referring to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. But the message which they heard did not benefit them, because it did not meet with faith in the hearers. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, quote, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, end the quote. And again, in this place he said, they shall never enter my rest. Well, while he talks about the children of Israel, who were doubters, and not entering his rest, he tells us in verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. Now, that's the big difference between people of religion and people of faith. The people who were led by Moses had promises and many signs. They had miracles. They had every reason to believe God because God was real to them. But they didn't believe God. And that's the concern of the writer to the Hebrews. And so he's concerned that in the first century, some of these Hebrew Christians, they're called Christians, they associate with the Christians, but they may not have really believed and they may be very much like their forefathers who didn't believe. So then the author here talks about how God rested, and he wants us to enter his rest. It's his rest. And uh, in yesterday's program, I referred to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, which says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever enters God's rest also ceases from his labors as God did from his. There's a promise here that God has a rest. He finished all his work, and he has a rest, a rest into which he wants men to come so they too can rest. And if they do enter that rest, they'll cease from their works as he ceased from his work. Now, there are people who read this passage and not understanding what the Bible teaches about grace, and that word appears 155 times in the New Testament, and they don't understand the finished work of Christ, and they don't understand that part of Christ's salvation is for the purpose of setting Christians free from the law, they take this passage and they insist that this means observing the seventh day. And they miss the whole point of what this says about creation. The law, which included rules for the seventh day, was not a blessing. It was an affliction on the people who would not believe a gracious God. The law was given with the mountain trembling. The people were in great fear. And they were told, don't touch the mountain or you will die. There was thunder and lightnings, a thick cloud and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. You'll read about that in Exodus chapter 19. They were terrified. And rightly so, for God told Moses to warn them 
and he said they would perish if they didn't obey. They were so afraid after the giving of the laws that they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will hear you. But don't let God speak to us, lest we die. It's not accurate to teach our children the Ten Commandments as sweet, loving counsel from God. This was a law of bondage on rebels and was given under alarming conditions, all in keeping with the wrath of God toward sinners. They were sinners because they were doubting God. They wouldn't believe Him, and they were doomed to die in the wilderness. The seventh day symbolized for them an eternal rest which they rejected by their doubting of God. And Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, explains this. The explanation follows God's instruction to them to observe the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And he tells them in verse 15, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Why did he give them the Sabbath? To remind them that they were slaves and now they were coming into freedom. They were entering into God's rest that he planned for his people and promised through the prophets. So the Sabbath day symbolized for them a rest other than the seventh day. It was an eternal rest. In John chapter 5, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day, and he defended it. We read in John 5, And this was why the Jews persecuted Jesus, because he did this on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working still, and I am working. God is still working? Yes, he's working on behalf of man, and he's working on the Sabbath day, and so is Jesus working on the Sabbath day. And that's why the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath according to their traditional thinking, but he also called God his own Father, making himself equal with God, which he was. Now, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus and his disciples were criticized by the Pharisees, and they were the religious fundamentalists. They criticized him for breaking the Sabbath, and Jesus responded to that. He referred them to David in 1 Samuel 21.6, when he was persecuted by Saul and ate the showbread taken from the holy place. This hallowed bread was a type of Christ who sustains the believer, and then he declared himself that he was Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ, our Savior, is the Lord of the Sabbath. When we believe in him, we enter that Sabbath rest. If you have an old Schofield Bible, I refer you to page 1012. There's a helpful note here. Listen to what Dr. Schofield wrote. The Sabbath commemorates a finished creation. The first day, Sunday, a finished redemption. The Sabbath was a day of legal obligation. The first day, one of voluntary worship and service. The Sabbath is mentioned in the Acts, only in connection with the Jews, and in the rest of the New Testament, but twice, in Colossians 2.16 and Hebrews 4.4. 4. In these passages, 
The seventh day is explained to be to the Christian not a day to be observed, but a type of the present rest into which he enters when he also ceases from his own works and trusts in Christ. Now we move on to verse 6 in Hebrews chapter 4, where he writes, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news fail to enter because of disobedience, again he sets a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterward in the words already quoted, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak later of another day. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever enters God's rest also ceases from his labors as God did from his. Now he's repeating some of what he said earlier, and he's pointing out that the rest which Joshua gave them, and in some of your older translations it uses the word Jesus, which is the equivalent of the Hebrew word Joshua. He said if Joshua had given them rest, how? By taking them into the land of Canaan. You remember when Moses was left up on Mount Nebo and God took him away, took his life. Then he appointed Joshua to be the successor, and Joshua led the Israelites across the Jordan River and directed the campaign against all of the Canaanite nations. But he didn't give them rest. And the writer tells us in verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak later of another day. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And it's not the land of Canaan. This is something spiritual. The author here has informed his readers that there is a rest established by God for his people, that is, true believers, in addition to the physical rest represented by the land of Canaan. The spiritual rest is not only a New Testament concept. Instead, he tells them that God designed an eternal rest for believers at the time of creation. It is the Sabbath rest. But this does not refer to keeping a day under the law of Moses. The Sabbath day in Moses' law was but an illustration or symbolic of the rest which God planned for his people of faith. If you are concerned about pleasing God by observing one day because it's in the law, it's in the Ten Commandments, then you are in deep trouble. Because James wrote in chapter 2 that whoever keeps the whole law but offends in one point, he's guilty of all. You're obligated to keep all of the law. Likewise, the book of Galatians teaches the same. And so does the book of Romans, that if you try to be righteous before God by the law, then you must keep all of it. And Galatians 3.10 tells us that we are under the curse of the law if we don't abide and do everything that the law commands us to do. You can't pick and choose. The law is a system. And God imposed that system on his disobedient and unbelieving children of Israel in the Old Testament for a limited time period. It's called the age of law. 
And then he sent Jesus to give us rest. And the promise of the law was given through angels until the seed should come, that promised seed of Abraham. Now, my friends, the promised seed has come. And since the law was given only until Christ came, the word until has meaning. It means up to, but not after. In view of that clear teaching, a person who is trying to live by the law today has absolutely no defense. And I suspect that those people do not read the book of Galatians. It's too strong for them. Paul teaches us, and I'm referring to Galatians 3, that up until the time of the Christian faith, they were kept under the law, but now that faith has come, they are freed from it. Is it any wonder, then, that we read in Romans chapter 6, you are not under law, you are under grace. And is it any wonder, then, that Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 1, and said, For freedom Christ has set us free. Don't become entangled again with that yoke of bondage. What was the yoke of bondage? The law of the Old Testament. Well, I see our time is up, and we'll continue this subject next week. No one can get to heaven by trying to keep the Ten Commandments. You can find out how to get to heaven by writing for our free booklet entitled Heaven's Password. Until next week, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.